Well, hello, and welcome to episode number 164 of the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast, number three in its category for communication skills in the world. Can you believe that? And today we have a guest from Canada. So shout out to all the Canadians listening. His name is Ted Bradshaw. And Ted is, he's an EOS implementer, and that's Entrepreneurial Operating System. Of course, it's not just for entrepreneurs. It's a system that's used also for uh, large companies to become more entrepreneurial. And the way someone explained it to me is this system is about getting the right people in the right seats. It's good for teams, I understand. But let me just tell you a couple more things about him. He started off in the most corporate of the corporate worlds with, I think, with IBM and Xerox. And he wrote a very interesting book called Stop Chasing Squirrels, which I will say is a more catching title than my book's title, which is The Practical Guide to Effective Communication. So, Ted, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Hi, Laura. Good to see you. I'm thrilled to be here. All right. So tell us, you know, I just gave a little, you know, mini, not even a thumbnail sketch. Tell us about your career journey. Like what, how did you get started? What led you to write a book called Stop Chasing Squirrels? And what are you up to now? Well, yeah. So I started, just as you said, Laura, uh, coming out of, uh, I should back up a little bit. When I realized I didn't quite have all the talent necessary, you mentioned I'm from Canada. So hockey is always something we aspire to, right? When things are frozen, (laughs) realizing I didn't have the talent to actually make a decent living out of the the sport, uh, I decided to get relatively serious about my education. And so I I had uh, five great years of schooling. And my years of schooling included a technical college that was very tactical on business principles, and then university, which got a little bit more theoretical on business Mm -hmm. principles. Mm -hmm. So it was a great combination. And uh, of course, it didn't do much to prepare us for really what careers would are available. There wasn't a lot of really career planning. When I graduated, there was very few. uh, It was the early 90s. So dating myself here, but it, it, it was not like today. (laughs) <laughs> uh, very difficult to find a job. Uh, there just weren't any, which is going to lead to some of the challenges that our current employees are facing, which maybe we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd send out hundreds of resumes and nothing, like literally nothing. So my first, <laughs> my first job was a hundred percent commission. Wow. Yeah, it, it was rough. It was all about if, if your listeners have ever watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with Alec Baldwin and Al Pacino, and there's a classic to two, there's two, there's a classic line in there. And it's, you know, one of the one, uh, Jack Lemon, I think, is in that movie. And he's asking, I don't get the good leads. I don't get the good leads. You know, I no wonder I can't sell anything. And Alec Baldwin being the boss, his response was, uh, you know, as the guy was, going to pour a cup of coffee, he yelled at him, screamed at him and said, don't touch that coffee. Coffee's for closers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. Remember yeah. that? So um, I, I had a similar type of environment. Now, it wasn't that hardcore, but it was still, uh, you know, not not really selling something that you, that I could get, you know, passionate about. 
even though it was alarm systems, which you would think is keeping families safe, mm-hmm. the approach to it though was was not great. It was mm-hmm. it was get get a get a meeting with a family and just proceed to scare them, and it was mm. awful. Yeah. I lasted two weeks. <laughs> fortunately, I didn't sell a thing. Um, fortunately, closely thereafter, I, I uh, not, you mentioned my my two I guess primary experiences with Xerox and IBM, but before that, I was actually with Ford. Yeah, oh, Ford okay. Motor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. That doesn't hit my bio much. It should because it was actually the the financing arm of Ford, mm, and yeah. And it was, I was collecting. So it wasn't too far from trying to sell alarm. It was trying to convince somebody to do something they really aren't interested in doing, you know? Right. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. And, 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 and uh, you know, from a communication perspective, I learned a lot. What, listening to my, it was like just a kind of a bullpen type atmosphere where you're on the phones, you've got your computer and it's a green screen. And what would show up is the name you had to call, how delinquent they were and get, get their money. Right. And I, uh, so I, um, I, I noticed when I was, when I was watching others around me, their approach was to basically yell, scream, berate, you know, threaten. That was the approach. Wow. And it seemed to me, Hmm. You know, it's not, if you want a flower to grow, you probably should water it and not step on it. <laughs> right. And uh, so I took a different approach and I, I, I just started to just connect with them. You know, mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't know their situation, you know, they may be hitting some hard times, even though there was some repeat offenders. Right. And, and it worked. And so I learned a lot about communicating in that experience. And it led to my next careers uh, with Xerox and IBM and it, I, both of those experiences, quite frankly, Laura, the, the alarm system and, the, and Ford and collecting allowed me to get what I ended up getting into in Xerox was it started off as a sales career. Then it went into some product management and then IBM was similar, but that was more kind of, uh, they called them sort of directors at the time, but it was sort mm-hmm. of regional, running a mm-hmm. region. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, what I was, I was impatient though. And maybe some of your listeners will appreciate this. Yes. They're Um, all impatient. I, I, I was speaking to a VP in Xerox at the time. He said, Ted, you've got a bright career ahead of you. And he said, you know, you could be me one day kind of thing. (laughs) I looked at him, John, I won't, I won't share his last name. He's a guy. And, and I said, this sounds great, John. Uh, you know, how long did that take? And he said, 25 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And you're and, like, no, no, no. Uh, and so for me, Laura, it was my impatience that led me, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to IBM because technology was really starting to, you know, fly at that time. And, uh, but I also saw the same, you know, it was going to be a climb. It was going to be, and, and I understand why now, because there were plenty of people ahead of me, you know, we call them the baby boomers right now that earned positions that quite frankly, I wanted. And at a young age, I was naively expecting and perhaps feeling a little entitled that I should have it. And so that so for those reasons, it really led me to go off on my own and mm-hmm. uh, become an entrepreneur. And so I, over the past twenty years, I've started five companies. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Three, three of them are, would, would be considered success stories, two mm-hmm. learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, and then my last one is I was exiting my last business. I was using the business system EOS mm-hmm. that you referred to in the opening. And it, I, I'd always been a believer in systems. I learned that from Xerox. I learned that from IBM, you know, how to systemize uh, the founder of four seasons was, I think he said, um, systemize the uh, predictable so you can uh, humanize the exceptional. Oh, love that. Yeah. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I took that to heart with my, my business and I, I found EOS as a business system and it worked really, really well. So as I was exiting my last business, my, my kids, I have two kids, they were young teens. My wife encouraged me to not do something so out there this time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, at least until the kids were, you know, maybe out. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I did, and I, and I started to, to coach this system and that was seven years ago. And I absolutely love it. It's the reason I'm on the planet. Love my, love my teams, love the clients I work with. Uh, it works really well, this system. And I just feel blessed that I can do the work which is leading me to where I am today. I still do that work, uh, mm-hmm. expert EOS implementer, I'm a community leader for EOS. So I'm really well ingrained with the organization. But I also have a passion to help um, achieve, and I, achievers is the word I use, but, but when I say that it's a desire to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. those, that are, those, are, those that would listen to your podcast, you know, those that wanna learn and grow and, and be better. So I really wanna help those people um, achieve success in their life, but do it through purpose is, is kind of the way I align it. And that's, that's where, that's where the book came. The book came watching these, these leaders of companies, um, on the one hand, um, potentially selling or, or retiring or moving mm-hmm. into their next phase and still wanting to contribute, still wanting to grow, still wanting to achieve, but quite frankly, being a little frightened of it. Mm-hmm. And you're, right. you're listening might, might resonate with this because if you've done something for so long and you have this level of proficiency, but you want to stretch and you want to maybe do something a little different, it can be scary because you, you want to do well. And exactly. You know, with, so, so that I wrote it for that group, but I also wrote it for the up and coming leaders. What I've noticed, Laura, is a little bit because of those baby boomers. Uh, not because of, but looking at the, looking at the demographic shift, mm-hmm. uh, there aren't as, there aren't enough millennials, you know, coming behind them to right. fill the positions. So by default, we have to go, sorry, the Gen Xers, there aren't enough Gen Xers. So by default, we have to go to the millennials, right? So those, those 25 to 35 year olds. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not ready. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had the miles yet. They haven't had the mentorship yet. And so that I also wrote uh, the book for that group that is looking to, because you know the, the, the good side of it for them is they're going to have opportunities. So they're going to mm-hmm. get these chances. The challenge is going to be, are they going to be set up for success or set, uh, set up for failure? And yes. So a little bit of, you know, why the book was written is to really help them get clear so that they can increase their odds of being successful when they're thrust into these. these oh, yes. And, and there's such a difference between being a high performer, individual contributor, or even a team lead, and then to be a leader of multiple teams or driving uh, results at a higher level. 
I yeah. was talking to a young um, director at a large credit card company yesterday, and she is look has her eye on VP, and uh, she had had a, com- a tentative conversation with a VP, and she was telling him how much she liked mentoring uh, her team, but she was speaking still at the level of team lead, and he told her, you know, you have work to do. You're not ready. Are you at least your talking points aren't ready. Right. And, and I want to uh, remind our audience, like what Ted pointed out is like, if you're giving out a hundred dollar bills to people, you do not have to be a good communicator. Everybody will understand. Even if you don't say it very well, they will get it. <laughs> but when you're telling people what they don't want, or, or they think they don't want it, or they think they don't need it, or they don't get it. It seems too complicated. That's when the hearing breaks down. And that's why becoming a good and skilled and clear and purposeful communicator is your competitive edge. And like Ted said, you know, that's the, the skill that can take you if you didn't go to Harvard or you, you're, you know, maybe you don't feel that you're ready and you have this opportunity, then you want to take advantage of it really getting uh, strong communication skills can help you. And it's free to learn. <laughs> That's right. It is. It is. It's not like you need to go spend $40,000 to get a certificate. Because I see a lot of people in the director level thinking they need to get another um, like certification or you know, study some other thing. And, and of course, all of those things are good. But I think if you are interested in moving into senior leadership, that's not what you need. You need you need something else. What would you say to that? To, you know, think about the person who's 35 years old, who's been a yeah. director three years, looking to be VP. What would you say to that person? Well, here's and and one of those businesses I'd mentioned, Laura, was uh, in the education space. So oh, okay, we, so we created a it was for K to 12. We, it was the, the company was called Students Achieve, and it was designed to help K-12 students reach their potential. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was the first web-based software to connect uh, classrooms to homes. You know, this was back in the oh, early Oh, wow. Prescient. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so your question about the, you know, upskilling and taking courses, and that, that's all very important. It's all, it, it's all relevant. It, the challenge is... Things change so quickly now, and the number of things that are changing are multiplying. It's very challenging for any kind of curriculum to keep up with what's going to be necessary, unless you're specialized, right? Obviously, right. it's a surgeon, and you've, you've got to know exactly this. Not, not a lot's changing in the human. <laughs> right, so, true. Right. And, but, for, but for those directors that are, are looking to grow and change, you're absolutely right. The, the communication of really just being able to adapt, because a lot of what we talk about is, is, is can you be flexible to what's going on around you? And by definition, it's difficult to prepare for that. Correct. You know? And so the communicating skills both ways, your ability to communicate. So to convey your point of view, but also to really understand the other person's point of view and collectively what others around you will be a skill that's invaluable for those that are 
maybe don't have the technical experience to step into whatever role it is, but with those communication skills well honed, that'll serve that'll serve that that person for life. So I agree with you hundred percent. Yes, and and the thing about work today like you said, it's changing so fast. And even the it's very project oriented and you work with some people and some teams, stakeholders to achieve one outcome. And then it's like you uh, etch a sketch, erase the board and start again. So it's it's exciting, but I also think it can be exhausting and having these good habits. But I want to hear, I want some juicy story. I want you to tell me about when you failed at communication. I'm sure as the debt collector, I mean, obviously you had failures. You were not able to sell alarm systems in the two weeks that you, I don't think I could have done that in two years. (laughs) And and by the way, most of the people listening hate selling or they feel like they're not good at it. They are good. We are good at our, what we consider our domains, our expertise, but selling the value of what you do and what your team does is yeah. just a, an essential skill. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Uh, well, you know, it, one of my, I guess, largest communication failures. Uh, and what I've found with this too, Laura, this isn't a single point in time uh, type of failure, right? Yeah. I don't think we fail. We fail in a moment. Right. There are incremental steps that lead us to 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 failure. It's things that we did. Such a good insight. Yes. Or we didn't do. And and so here's where probably one of the single and I write about it in my book. It was a bit of a turning point and a pivotal point in my life with a with a uh, partnership that I had in in business for pretty close to 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it was it started out as, you know, really good friends. Uh, and then it turned into a really good business that was profitable, uh, gave a lot of freedom, a lot of the things that you'd want from a business it was achieving. And but it ended, uh, it ended badly. Oh, that's a, heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Yeah, the business is still going and still mm-hmm. thriving, but the partnership really uh, failed hard. And as I reflect on it, it was, uh, it, it, there, it was, I think it's safe to say almost from day one, there was a lack of real communication. Really? Yeah. I think the, the, there was three of us, which creates its own interesting dynamic, uh, that we would be on the same page with with what was said that we wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And as time would go by, we would we would do our regular check-ins, our regular meetings, just like most do. Are we hitting our targets? Are we, you know, moving forward? And by and large, we were. So the 80% was just working just fine. Mm-hmm. It was the 20% of things, Laura, that I think went unsaid. And so we just would we would continue forward being happy with the 80%. I know, certainly I was feeling this way. There were certain things that I thought my partners were not contributing enough in. I know they felt the same as I did. And, and what, as time went on, probably it got more acute in the last five years. 
And this wasn't a dysfunctional situation. I mean, this was a situation where everyone wanted the best for everyone else and everyone wanted to, you know, these are good people. We're not talking right, about right. Uh, but because some things that needed to be said didn't get said, uh, it, 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 it almost, it was like it built up, uh, it, it was like it, you know, when, when I guess, uh, on a boat or on a ship, if it sits in the Harbor too long and, and is what is it muscles, you know, start to just accumulate and that, that ship is not going to navigate very well. Right. You have to clear those off before right. the ship continue, uh, or continue efficiently. That's where we got to. Mm -hmm. So in the end, it was, we all decided it had to end, mm -hmm. uh, but the way it ended, uh, had we communicated better, certainly in the last five years and been more, more open, truly open with one another. Uh, that's and, so interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because that's a, it, you know, a lot of times you think uh, we associate communication breakdowns and we connect them to a operational failure or some kind of uh, organizational failure. But here it was more of a, maybe a complacency or it's just not worth it. Why rock the boat? Why bring this up? Things are going so well. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and not speaking up. And then the problem grows, right? Yeah. I, well, I can speak for myself in this. I do think in a way it applies to my, applied to my partners too. I was a little bit, um, there, there was a, there was a fear of the unknown, you know, mm -hmm. there was okay. this fear of, uh, okay, well, what's going on right now? It, it maybe isn't the, the, the ideal state that we want, mm -hmm. but it's perhaps better than the unknown. Right. And so the devil, you know, versus the yeah. devil, you don't know. Yeah. So you, so I think sometimes you hang on too long. Right. And, Right. And then, and then this can also happen, I think, in careers where we almost I think sometimes there can be a self-sabotage that occurs because we're a little bit afraid of success. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, and then imposter syndrome starts to set in. Am I, you know, am I really as good as this position would would uh, uh, lead others to believe? Do I really qualify for that? We can have a lot of bravado. Right, right. Yeah, I, listened to your, I listened to your podcast on charisma, which was fantastic. It's a double-edged sword mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that false bravado will not serve us well if we find ourselves in a situation that we have, we communicated ourselves through to a place that we're not qualified to be. <laughs> <laughs> and and we've cut off the bridges where people don't feel comfortable reaching out to us because hey she's clearly yeah. does what she's doing yes. <laughs> yeah that's right clearly <laughs> of course how could she not yeah. yeah yeah so that's so that's definitely uh something that i take back uh i'm all i'm very conscious of that now I'm very and, and do you think that did you have the EOS system at that time? Because it sounds like you maybe you were missing a system systematic check or something in that. Yeah, that's a great question. We did not have EOS at the time. Mm -hmm. We used a different business system, but we didn't see it through as far as we could have. And you're absolutely right. We just did not have the system in place so that we didn't spend a lot of energy and time on, like I said earlier, on the predictable mm -hmm. things. And mm -hmm. we really didn't get to the, 
we didn't really get to the root of the issue ever mm-hmm. until the end, you know, until the end. And then it was kind of fell apart. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I appreciate that. I know everybody listening can relate to uh, not saying what needs to be said for good reasons, for noble motivations, but there, you know, it, it can come back to bite you. And it, and it's certainly hard, you know, it is not easy. And then especially you had a partnership, if you're in a corporate structure, you may feel, you know, the unintended consequences can be significant, right? So. Well, in a corporate environment, it can be even trickier because you're in some ways you're, it's like a collaboration, right? You're competing. Yeah, you need to collaborate. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'll find it in the dictionary. Line, no. but we'll run with it. Uh, that's a challenge, right? Yes. Open and honest. All right. Is it, is this trust going both ways here? Right. Sometimes and you don't know. You can think it is, not. and it's not. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be very tricky. It can mm-hmm. be very tricky and and uh, uh, not not easy to navigate. Right. Sure. So what do you think is a, a misconception or a myth or a trap that people uh, earlier in their careers seem to believe and then you find out it's not true? I'll give you my, my example yeah. is uh, that there's this committee of true and actual greatness that's going to give you a report card and tell you uh, that your, your idea is a, B, or C before you pitch it, uh, and that that's going to give you the certification that you need to to pitch your suggestion. But we know that that committee doesn't exist, and sometimes you just have to take the risk and pitch it. <laughs> that's right. No, the committee doesn't exist, do they? <laughs> nope. You're right. Uh, so I, I do write about this in the book, and I so I, I love it. I love the question, Laura. Uh, uh, and to be a little bit more head on with it, it's, it's what are you prepared to go to war with? You know, Ooh, I love that. Tell us. And you just shared something that you are mm-hmm. and it's this conventional, this conventional wisdom that just it's almost like the, you know, the group think of crowds. It's just, well, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's this concept that being driven to succeed is healthy. Oh, right? tell no, us. this is I juicy. Know. I know. And, and I speak from experience because I had always found myself or thought of myself uh, to be a driven individual. Mm-hmm. And we're, this gets beat into us from an early, early age. Uh, it starts, literally, it starts in, in uh, play school you know, as we're, oh, as, wow. right. As we're instructing, like we do it as parents, we, we have, we have our, the, our kids best interests at heart, mm-hmm. but you know, as we're just the words that we use, uh, it, it, it starts to, it starts to impose a, for those that grasp it, mm-hmm. they, you really start to become, well, you, this is, there's a stack ranking, you know, mm-hmm. there's a stack ranking. You want, you, you are you going to be the quietest in the room, right? Are you going to play the nicest, right? We use these words and it starts to create this, well, I'm going to be the nicest. We're already starting to talk about mm-hmm. a pecking order. Right. So we start, right? 
So that evolves uh, as, as we get older through sports, mm-hmm. through competing. Uh, so or do you really want it? Do you really want it? How bad do you want it? So it starts to imply this, this drive. And then we go through, we go through college or we go through some form of um, apprenticeship. And it's those that seem to want it the most that are driven the most are the ones that are successful. Yes, right? it does seem like that. Absolutely. Thousand percent. And we wear it like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd go along with that because I'm not suggesting that it, it isn't, it hasn't less necessarily led to success. So I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting it doesn't work, mm-hmm. but I think if it worked in the right way, uh, people would find themselves in professions. People would find themselves in a corporation, uh, in, in their own personal lives, in a place that they really did feel fulfilled and they didn't right. feel it was an obligation or something they had to do to, to pay the bills or something they, you know, they have to do, they have to maybe do some things that are, you know, work the 60, 80 hour weeks to get ahead. I'm going to just have to outwork everybody. And so I just think that leads to burnout, right? I think oh, it, just, yes. it, it, it leads to COVID showed us all of a sudden when people could come home and see yes. what it would be like to be at home maybe they didn't need to work 80 hours and maybe they didn't need that extra $10,000 bonus because really what was it getting them anyway? Right. Right. Well, and after taxes, it's not $10,000 anyway. (laughs) That's that's a, yeah, you're right. Here's why I don't think it's healthy. I I think if we do an inventory and I, in the research I did for the book, Mm -hmm. I identified uh, there are a lot of different negative drivers uh, Mm -hmm. that, that we think are serving us. And so the top six that I uncovered was jealousy is one. So are we driven by jealousy? Mm -hmm. Are we driven by guilt? Okay. Are we driven by fear? Okay. Are we driven by anger or resentment? Oh no, these are all terrible drivers. Yeah, but they don't sound good, Mm -hmm. do they? No. Uh, Are we driven by materialism? Are we driven by the need to please others, mm-hmm. people pleasing? Right. And I could give definitions of all of those where, uh, because we're human beings, that's just what happens, right? We, right. we find ourselves in a in a uh, in a guilt situation because of something we did or we didn't do long ago in our past, and we're trying to make amends for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot of places we can look to see where this might be affecting us. So. When when we really stop and think about our behaviors today, and and and, and you know material materialism is the easy one. It's right. It's this idea that we always need a bigger house, right? That we always need, and 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 social media just exacerbates this. Showing yes, it does. They're on, so you really have to earn more in right. order to have this lifestyle that that it right. that has yep. apparently. Yes, apparently. Everybody except you. All about everybody except you, yeah. <laughs> and so I think when, when we look at this, yeah, yeah, what is really driving me? And maybe that is leading to some of the reasons why I'm not feeling as, as fulfilled or as, I'm mm-hmm. as successful as I think I should be. So I pose this question. If I can, if I can convince your listeners to at least question mm-hmm. is driven a healthy thing when you look at those drivers. And not try to push them away, not try to pretend that they're not happening, but acknowledge it. 
as soon as we can acknowledge it, we're bringing it from something that's unconscious or subconscious into our consciousness. Now we can take some action and make some choices. Yeah, because we've named the thing, named the dragon. You've named the dragon. Now, okay, so if, if, if we can get our head around a little bit, that maybe that, that current definition of being driven, plus being driven or implies we're not in control. Right, right. right. Okay? What's driving you? <laughs> not you. Right. Not you, right. Who's pushing uh, your strings or pulling your strings? Yeah, so the shift then is is what if not driven then? And so um, my suggestion is let's choose to be guided. Ooh, okay. Guided right. by? Ah, that's the next question. So what are we guided by? And uh, this is where um, I selected the word. There are other words that would fall into this. Passion would fall into it. Your best life would fall into it. But I just call it purpose because it's very universal. It can be a very large, you know, heavy word. Or it could be a very light word. Mm-hmm. But I, the definition I used for purpose or is just very simply um, acknowledging, and I, the metaphor I use in the book is a backpack, and we're on a journey. By the way, this doesn't just happen. Like my impatience long ago, I realized, oh, get strap in. This is this is a forever <laughs> thing. You know, as long as- <laughs> so we've got a backpack, and as you know, as we tend to do on trips, we overpack, mm-hmm. right? Right. We got a lot in our backpack, but what should be in there? Well, let's identify those drivers, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So what are mm-hmm. those things that are driving us? They're, they're part of who we are right now. We're, we want to choose at some point to leave them on the side of the trail because there's only so much room in the backpack. But what is purpose then that we should choose to put in the backpack? If maybe some of these drivers were just through life experiences wound up in our backpack, now we have a choice. So I have a little exercise I call the temperature check. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty simple. Temperature is, uh, is temps. So mm-hmm. really do, a, do take stock of your talents. So really, what is it that you do? You, you know, if you really looked at others around you and you're really honest with yourself, what have you always been very good at or great mm-hmm. or better than others? There's mm-hmm. only a handful of those things, truly. Right, right. Unique that way. So that's the T. What are your experiences? So really take a look at your experiences, your family experiences, how have they shaped you, your educational experiences, your work experiences, because that's forming you, you know, were you great in math or were you great mm-hmm. in science or was it phys ed, right? So really understand those things. What motivates you? Mm-hmm. What could you spend hours upon hours doing without with completely losing track of time, mm-hmm. the motivators? Your personality. And I know in, in your book, you've, you've got some assessments on doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. know thyself. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of great assessments out there to help with your personality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really get clear on that. And you mentioned introvert in, in, in one of your podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to get to, mm-hmm. to, to embrace. Right. And, and then uh, strengths. So I know there's a very simple tool of strengths finder. I think uh, Gallup has it. It's yes. Just, the five strengths. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it really helps you understand what maybe have you worked on over time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you'd be very good at. So that's the temperature check. And if we could take those items and, and put them in the backpack and, and then the, 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 the third part of it, which I call the future part. So if those drivers are the past, the temperature check is our present. Mm-hmm. What do you want your future to look like? Right. I, there's a list of 
get clear on your core values, mm-hmm. prioritize or put first in your life. Uh, what is it that you want your legacy to look like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the message that if you could stand on the top of the tallest tree and shout it out because you know it would be good for uh, for the planet or for mm-hmm. people, shout it. And then community. So who is the community you want to serve? Mm-hmm. And if it, I think it's simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Those are the items that we can use to help define in there will be our purpose, our, our that really that unique capability that, that we have to really make a mark and be right. Really, oh, there it is. That's the I love it. I love it. I love that. Guided by purpose. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's also the beginning of communication. Like, why are you talking? <laughs> what are you trying to say? What is the message? And and yes. the thing is, it's so easy to to get on this default, you know, the hamster wheel, because because of what we talked about before, the change and the things being thrown at you and what's going to happen today. And, and actually just taking the time to do this backpack exercise, which is a great metaphor. I, I was thinking immediately of like, like, what's in my backpack that's too heavy? Like, I want to get rid of it. I want to go faster. Yes. And, and maybe yeah. I don't have enough water to sustain because, some you know, I think there's a lot part of success as life is being sustainable, you know, not uh, the planet, of course, but also yourself, your energy, your family, your, you know, just taking care of yourself and the people in your immediate vicinity, making sure everything is sustainable for the long run, right? We will hopefully all want to have a long run. Yeah. And Laura, you teed this up perfectly. So I have to, I have to go here now because oh, good. Go your, there. Segue was, your segue was brilliant. <laughs> uh, so everything I've just described, there's more, you know, it, it's the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. How do you get the backpack clear? Right. Mm-hmm. But what you just said is spot on. It's a lifelong journey and you've got to prepare for it. And so, um, you know, I call them the six essentials and you hit on three of them. Uh, so the six essentials are your mind, your body, your soul, nutrition, money, and relationships. And you hit just just in 30 seconds, you hit on three of those six. And the idea is once we've identified or have a good understanding of what our purpose is, knowing that we've probably overpacked, mm-hmm. we, we, it's okay. We start on that journey. And if your listeners can think of this in their development of their career, right? In the early stages and even in the mid stages, you're not maybe quite where you want to be yet. And that's all part of the course Mm -hmm. of action. What we need to do, though, in order for us to, to really that backpack, lighten the load, lighten the load, lighten the load, that's equivalent to you really focusing your purpose. Right. Because in, in the beginning, and I in the earlier version of the book, I used a metaphor of a beach ball, and the publisher was like, ah, maybe hard to get our head around that, but I still kind of like it. It's this <laughs> beach ball, right? Think of a beach ball, it's airy, it's big, it floats, mm-hmm. it can move around a lot of different places. Over time, as we start to really clear that backpack out, the beach ball isn't, it becomes more of like a basketball, right? A little harder, mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. compressed volleyball, baseball, you know, billiard ball, like really right. right. 
that's that's really when we're focused and we're at our at our best. And that's and I want to tie it to communication. But the only way we're going to get there is tending to those essentials, because if relationships start to fall apart, we're not going to be our best selves. It's going to be very difficult to follow the course. You won't have the resources, the wherewithal to see it through. You'll just be too distracted. and You'll be distracted. You're right. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. <laughs> all of it. All of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so the way where this ties with communication is when you have, have gone, when you, when you have had enough of ex- experiences and you, and you're really confident that what's in that backpack is you're getting closer to that baseball, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It simplifies things for you. It so really simplifies. Much. Yes. And when you communicate, you're speaking from your truth. Mm-hmm. And right. Authentic. It, it, you cannot help from attracting people to you and conveying your message. And quite frankly, Laura, it doesn't even really matter what the context is because you're going to come across so authentic, so true. Right, right. You're going to connect with that person. And here, here's, here's the thing we have to be prepared for. Not everybody is going to relate. Right. Not everybody's going to be in your fan club. Not everybody is that smart. You know, you just have to admit that. Yes, it isn't for everybody. Yeah. And as you're navigating your career path, just be by being that truth, speaking that truth. And yeah, it can be hard because it's sometimes it might sound like it's going against, you know, that in the moment, that manager Mm -hmm. in the moment, Mm -hmm. the mission. Mm -hmm. Well, you may, you may, you know, placate someone for a short period of time with that approach, but you won't, but you ultimately won't be successful in the long term because you won't be your authentic self when you're doing that. Right. Exactly. And it won't resonate and people will feel something fishy in your message. And it's just, it doesn't work. We we have the scars (laughs) to show you. So, uh, yeah, yeah. it just made it just, and you're so, you'd be so confident when you're having that conversation and, and it just, uh, uh, I really hope that, you know, the, those, those people in leadership positions or those that are aspiring to be in leadership positions really appreciate that they've, they do carry something special and, and the, and the, and the organization will benefit from that uniqueness if, mm-hmm. if they take the time to nurture it. Right. All right. That's very well stated. Very. I love all your analogies. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. So the, to tie up this great conversation, I'm going to ask some questions to get a little feel for Ted, the person. Uh, we're, I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick questions. Just give one, you know, very simple answers and then we'll close you can have a final message to our audience. And, and I know a lot of them will want to follow you online or maybe buy your book. Maybe you can tell us then, you know, like who would most especially benefit from stop chasing squirrels. <laughs> and by the way, I, I, I know we have a lot of Steelers fans in the audience. And so uh-huh. I want you to know, since this is not, since you're not seeing Ted in his room, <laughs> He, even though he's in Canada, he has a poster of the Steelers. So I know you guys definitely want to buy his book for appreciation. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> towel. 
Yeah, what a game on Sunday, Laura. Yes. What a game on Sunday. <laughs> All right. So um, where did you go on your last vacation? Italy. What is your favorite dessert? Zucchini chocolate cake. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite store? It's called Valhalla's. It's an outdoor equipment store. Hiking, paddleboarding, oh, biking. Sounds yeah. like REI here, but okay. um, the Canadian version. What's your yeah. favorite type of music? I love everything except soft 80s rock. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite movie genre? Science fiction. Uh, your personal style, in a word. Calm. What were you afraid of as a child? Babysitting. I saw a, me, a, a movie that scared the, the uh, life out of me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when a stranger calls. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> That's, I thought, I, I don't know if this came out in our introduction, but uh, Ted was a serious hockey player as a young boy. So I was thinking you were saying being hit by a hockey puck. No, that's okay. That's, that's okay. okay. Just yeah. lose a tooth. Who cares? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you collect anything? Oh boy, do I collect anything? Experiences. Experiences. All right, great. So let's close this great conversation. I know some of you are very curious and anxious and excited to follow Ted Bradshaw. How would you like for them to um, follow you or connect with you online? Uh, yeah, thank you, Laura. I'm on all the socials. So at Ted Bradshaw, you'll find me on the socials. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, www.tedbradshaw.com. Uh, you can connect me, with me there. We'd love to engage in a dialogue. You can, can buy the book there. And the book's available on Amazon.com as well as also the audiobook is Audible and Kindle and all that good stuff. So all the things. Yeah, yeah, and stop chasing squirrels. That's it. That's, That's right. We no more squirrel chasing. We have no so more many squirrels. Yes. All right. Well, this was such a treat. Thank you, Ted. Thank you for showing up and uh, sharing your being so generous with your expertise and the things that we learned from your book already. And I appreciate it. And everybody, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you another time, the next episode. Bye-bye.